On today's episode of Talking Tom, we're back for Tom's 66th birthday to talk about what some critics are calling the worst performance of Tom Hanks's career as we watch Elvis. Elvis is a 2022 biographical film directed by Boz Lerman and features the performance that landed Tom COVID-19, which he's now recovered from. Thank you. Thank you very much. <laughs> Thank you. I don't know. That's what Tom Hanks said after he was coming. That's what Tom Hanks said, yeah. (laughs) My mom always said, life was like a box of chocolates. Welcome back to another episode of Talking Talkin Tom, <laughs> a Pod Hanks Tomcast. Hanks Tomcast, where we watch Tom Hanks movies um, one a year at this point, and we talk one about year. them. That, that's just, you know, all good movies have a year break in between, and such it's, is the case with podcasts. And you I do feel weekly? like it's no. good, really good to sit and really just sit with the movie, so. Yeah. You have hopefully to watch everybody... it, wait a year, watch again, then talk. Mm-hmm. Hopefully at this point, everybody has really appreciated our last episode, the Bridge of Spies episode, and now they're ready for something new. According to analytics, they have. <laughs> that is weirdly, is I, that's our, I think it's our, maybe not our biggest episode. I should have done more research in the moments before this, but it's a hot one. It's incredible. Well, we do have another hot one today because we yeah. are going to be talking about the newest Tom Hanks movie called Elvis starring Tom Hanks and Austin Butler as Elvis. Yeah. Kind of a weird thing. Cause it is like a movie about Elvis, but it's also kind of pretty, a pretty focused movie about Tom Hanks's character, Tom Parker. Yes. So this movie is directed by Boz Lerman. Um, I know you probably know a lot more about Boz Lerman than I do, but I will say what the fuck <laughs> he's just a man of he's a he's a maximalist he's throwing mm-hmm. everything at the page and you know people love it some people hate it the critics are divided mm-hmm. it's a style man yeah he's got so, some dope stuff have you seen any of his other stuff i saw moulin rouge and i hated it okay i um, i have a weird affinity for his romeo and juliet oh is that the like, one with uh, leo Mm-hmm. And it's like from the page Leonardo Shakespeare. Yeah, first name basis. First name basis. And then also, I had a weird thing where I kind of dug The Great Gatsby, which might be a hot take. I don't really know anymore. But The Great Gatsby right. was kind of ruled. Okay, fair. So, what do you know about Elvis Presley? Um, very little. I know my grandparents loved him, and. There were a lot of, I feel bad in the context of the movie, but there were a lot of Christmas tunes that I associated with. Oh, okay. Oh, yeah, in the context of the movie. Yeah. Um, interesting. I don't think, I think I, I took a history of rock and roll music course in college, and basically that, That's the whole, a course? Yeah, I have a communications awesome. degree, so. <laughs> they just kind of let you do some fun stuff. They just let you fuck around. That's, that's not pretty true, dope, actually. I gotta be honest. That sounds awesome. The class, it was just one of those like elective courses, you know, just to kind of fill like mm-hmm. an arts requirement or whatever. But uh, the whole first part of the class basically was learning about how rock and roll music 
is basically built off of like black music, like the music yes. that black people make. And like, I, and we touched on Elvis in that course. So we learned that, you know, he didn't like come up with this style of music. It was basically yeah. like an entire community's. Um, well, most of his like big songs are in just covers too, which I, I honestly didn't know for a lot of it. Yeah, I feel like, and they really did touch on that. So, well, I don't know. Do you want to just like get into the movie now? <laughs> yeah, let's just freaking get into it. Let's just freaking there, get into it. The synopsis of Elvis is a movie about Elvis's life. There you are. Yeah. That's the movie. And it's like two hours and 50 minutes long. So it's a long, buckle up. Yeah. <laughs> I ate some pretzels and drank an entire water bottle and I was, I suffered for it. Oh, did you? Just in terms you did... of, you know. It's what, you know, movies are sporadic following the last few years. And so like the bladder is not what it used to be, which is maybe a sign of age, maybe it's a sign of whatever, but it's tough. It certainly can't be that we're getting older. That doesn't no. make sense. It was because of the global pandemic. Yeah. <laughs> so um, there's two main characters in this movie. One of them being Elvis Presley, played by Austin Butler, who I've heard from you seems to be quite the hot the hot guy yeah. maybe days. we start with him i don't know a ton about him outside of he's in once upon a time in hollywood and according to my sister-in-law he's very big with the gen Zers. which saying that out loud makes me really sets my age that was not the intention it's just <laughs> the the next generation they love the man i think he's from like nick or disney he had a got his start in that realm or it has a big show or something got it okay and he's hot. i guess i he's a good looking guy yeah I've been watching some of the press that he's been doing for this show and he like still talks in the Elvis voice. Like he thinks that's his real voice now. It's got, it's ha- I don't know how you break that. You hear all these horror stories about, about actors doing like method <laughs> stuff and trying to break it. But I, I kind of get it. It's like a, Elvis is a very definitive type of inflection and I don't know how you break that. Right, especially if you're like really living in this for who knows how long it took for them to make this movie. So interesting about him I wonder I guess I wonder what it is about him that is like really resonating with the Gen Z crowd I don't know you know in the context of in my context for this as a as a Gen Z uh aficionado um (laughs) he sort of gives I don't know I, I we've talked on many episodes over the years about my my distaste with biopics um but because so I think so often people just do an inflection of a character they're just it's just miming they're not doing the the thing but Austin Butler seems to be genuinely living in it and he's got all of the physicality down it doesn't feel like someone doing a voice it feels like someone who is that thing which I think is really difficult to pull off and I mean when you're working side by side with Tom Hanks potentially the greatest actor in the history of cinema and you bring that level of performance that's really impressive to me that is a good point yeah I did think he was really able to hold his own um with Tom maybe even overshadowed him oh my gosh yeah yeah so um where do you want to start uh, where do we start uh we talked about austin butler really we he's, did he's the crux of the movie but the movie's weird because as much as it's a story about elvis the story is really focused on the ways that elvis's manager manipulated him and sort of everyone in his pool and maybe his pool was also manipulated him too but just the way that his parents kind of emotionally manipulated him. His friends did. Um, really, in the view of the movie, only his band had, his like original band, had anything 
going. And then the community that he was, the black community he was taking the music from, they spent a lot of time with him going back to that and like their support of him, which was interesting. The only people not manipulated him in the, in the realm of the movie. Yes, that's a good point. Um, so I didn't really know this deal with Tom, with Colonel Tom Parker, who is played by Tom Hanks, but we got a little epilogue at the end of the movie that basically said this whole thing is totally true. Um, so that was interesting. So he plays, uh, Colonel Tom Parker is Elvis's manager. He's the one who discovers Elvis at a like a carnival or a circus or something yeah he he's tom parker's doing like i think it's just like carnival fair acts sort Mm -hmm. of like the freak shows and stuff in that realm of the time period and he hears someone in his in his his group plays an elvis record that everyone's freaking out about and we learn pretty early on that colonel tom parker is pretty much only gives a fuck about money. Like that's the only mm. thing he cares about. So it makes a lot of sense that he sees the possibility of profiting off of this new artist. Like, you know, he follows the money. That's where he goes. He doesn't yeah. have any loyalty otherwise. No, he abandons everyone else that he's with <laughs> to do so. Yeah. And it ends up being like quite successful. Yeah. Um, Elvis in the movie, when we first like start following his music, he's really young. Like I want to say he's like 16 or 17. Do you I feel like so. that? Yeah. Um, and then, of course, we follow him up until his uh, untimely death at the age of like forty or something. Yeah, um, yeah. We spend a lot of we spend we sort of see it from start to finish, like the way that Elvis's family was. And this is all in the context of the movie, so I can't comment. If this is real. I decided not to look up anything. I'm just going to live in the movie world. Um, but he started off. He's he's a kid. He's a kid from a, a poor family, and they moved to a. Uh, a black community where he gets really involved and taken with their with the culture, especially with their music and their dancing, and kind of lives in that, grows up in it, and then starts to take that to make his own stuff, despite sort of what is popular in white culture. And his his taking of that gets him notoriety and sort of propels his career, along with Tom Parker coming in to uh, make sure that is the case. So I will say. I don't know that the movie was really um like I think it would be really easy to say like Elvis stole music from the black community mm-hmm. and profited off of it. I I didn't get the feeling that the movie wanted us to come away with that feeling. I kind of felt like it was very intentionally like letting us believe that like everybody knew about it, everyone was cool with it and like wished Elvis success, especially like he has who's the guy bb king is that his like and there's like a scene where he kind of mentions like you can get away with this because you're a white guy but it's not like he's admonishing elvis he doesn't like the character the way they're like this that scene plays is it's not like this like passing judgment on elvis um which is just it's interesting because i think there that is one way that you could tell that story and they chose, and Boslerman specifically chose not to. Do you feel that yeah, way? It's, yeah, it's tough because I think it's, I mean, it's two and a half hours. It's over two and a half hours. And it's kind of a two and a half hour, like, Wikipedia article and <laughs> operates like a movie trailer. It just doesn't ever stop. There's, until you get to Vegas, there's no slowdown. And within that, you sort of obviously gloss over a lot of, like, the details that really define it. And they do pay mention to, and they uh, make passing comments on like almost acknowledging like we know this 
but because they establish Tom Hanks's character as the villain from the get-go, like, I think the opening narration says like, people want to say I'm a villain. Um, you sort of make it that Tom Parker's the bad guy and we get to watch, I mean, Elvis is sort of tragic um, outcome through it and the way that he's abused, but sort of only touch on some things that I would really like to know more about like the rest of more educated people than I's thoughts on. Yeah, I agree. I think that's just like an interesting layer to it. So I know, well, you and I saw this movie together, which was very yes. nice. It was very nice. Um, just nice to see a movie, man. It was. And this rock. Was, honestly, if you're gonna, if you're, if you've been hesitant on going to the theater and you haven't seen Top Gun Maverick, go see Top Gun Maverick. Uh, and then Elvis, like it, it sort of is replicating the experience of this at home will be hard because it is loud and those concert scenes rule. And there were some old women sitting next to us who were absolutely just like foaming at the mouth, having the best time. Oh yeah. And I think I will say, I don't know that you and or I are really going to be able to capture just like, because you and I don't think we grew up with this like obsession and like Mm -hmm. deep affinity for Elvis that other people did. So this movie probably means a lot to people. Like it's getting people out to the movie theater in a way that maybe Top Gun did for like dads. Yeah, but I've heard from like my my in-laws don't go to the movies that often. They keep up at stuff at home, but they went out to the theater to see Elvis. And so it has like that cool, this interesting power of really pulling in audiences from everywhere. And maybe that's part of why, like I think if they're making this and they sort of know what they want from it, like you gotta be careful what you say about them mm-hmm. because you don't want to suddenly alienate the audience that you're trying to get to it. Yeah, that you gotta get that money just like Colonel Tom that Parker. Money. <laughs> um, okay, so you you touched on this. You said it felt like a movie trailer and I felt the same way. That first half of the movie was just like unbridled fucking chaos. Like it was like- It's exhausting. I felt like I was inside of a kaleidoscope. Yeah. Like- In just kind like, of a cool way. I And I have to say, I fucking loved it. Yeah. I was sitting there like, I was laughing at certain points. Like I couldn't believe some of the music. Like there's this one montage after Elvis um, starts his movie career where he's like on this like surfboard thing and they're playing like a Black Eyed Peas song in the background mashed up with Toxic by Britney Spears. Like just some, and I guess that's maybe a Baz Luhrmann signature, right? Yeah, he's just, he's throwing everything at the screen. I'm kind of here for it. Yeah, it felt like doing drugs. Which, exactly which was <laughs> not used during this experience but uh, i don't know i would say what you can obtain legally consider that's a good point probably too scary for me personally but yes oh i would probably die but yeah <laughs> well it's cool because in the realm of like boz lerman as a director you have something you know great gatsby is this very specific um icon of fiction and is sort of a character piece and his style doesn't quite, or I think people argue that it doesn't work for that, but this is just built the glam of a Vegas, the King of Vegas. Uh, it totally fits with his thing. And this movie trailer type of style with like sweeping cameras and huge costumes and uh, Elvis loving makeup and like lace shirts um, and all these concert scenes that have to each be distinct to the time period they're in. Like it, it's a lot, but it, I thought it all worked personally yeah 
No, I definitely enjoyed it. What do you feel like, were there any things that you feel like you learned specifically about Elvis in that first half of the movie? Like seeing him start, his dad was a, like he wrote a fraudulent check or something. So he, they grew up with like not a lot of money because his dad was in jail and his mom was supporting them. Yeah, he kind of comes from this weird, this interesting dynamic of like post-war, just people trying to make it like these like Southern people trying to just get by and sort of life handing them constant negatives and finds this thing that he thinks he can use for good. Like the Elvis of the movie is played as someone trying to do good for his friends and family. Sometimes like a little bit of a creepy way, like his relationship with his mom, the way it's portrayed was a little bit like, I was like, they've kissed, I believe. And in the context of this- <laughs> On the mouth. Yeah, just it's, it's odd, that's fine. Um, mm-hmm. But it does, it feels like he's this a single-minded, passionate man who will leave behind, like he leaves behind his, his teenage, his like maybe it's his high school sweetheart in pursuit of potent, this good that can maybe get everyone he loves out of it and then sort of is corrupted by what the industry breeds. Mm, yeah. Yeah, he has that goal of like buying his mom a pink Cadillac and he basically does that in the first like 10 minutes of the movie. It's like, oh, all right, goal achieved. yeah. And then the, the thing I'd like to read in, we sort of, we touched on it and I'd like to read into it more, but is is the movie focuses on Elvis's relationship to black culture and, and the music and presents it as sort of like, we learn about like Martin Luther King, Martin Luther King Jr.'s assassination in it. And they present Elvis as someone who was like, I need to, I should be there. Like, this is like mm-hmm. almost like an activist type of thing. And I'd be super curious to know if that is, in truth, uh, or if it is, it is avoiding talking about like the appropriation type of thing. Mm. So that I think that is an interesting maybe deviation. Probably not fair to talk about it since I did zero research on the real person. But I felt like at the end of this, I had a, a somewhat idea, a fantastical idea of an icon. It felt like a fictional movie to a degree because it feels like a icon of fiction. Yeah, and it, it all feels very intentional to include things the way that they did. Like there, yeah, there's like a part where the where his wife later on when they're married, she's like, Memphis is burning, we gotta go, mm-hmm. you gotta go back. And he finds like so much comfort and like um peace and happiness when he's just like at a bar in down like downtown Memphis, right? And he's yeah. like just singing with his friends. Like so it's interesting because that, I mean, I think there could be an argument made there that like he's just explicitly using the black community and their yeah. music for his own gain. He's like, not in the way that like Tom Parker is guilty of using Elvis, but I, there could be a connection there. I don't, I don't know that the movie is like expecting us to draw any conclusion, honestly. Um, yeah, it's, it's, it's a tough, it's a tough thing to point at too, because I think on one end, I think there's an interesting value and, in, and, in, assessing that situation to make it clear that in his worldview if he didn't see it as a wrong which is like an issue of the time this concept of like well back then it was this thing um but to kind of play it as like elvis is a civil rights activist is an interesting gamble as like in favor of him as a as a human but if that isn't all rooted in truth it's a very weird thing to make on like a giant movie spectacle but i guess that's yeah, that's the thing to do um, yeah no it's interesting I don't know that they would have made the movie this way like five years ago mm-hmm. I kind of got that feeling that like just like recent cultural shifts have made the movie like 
just it feels like it it would have been different five years ago so if we're examining elvis if the movie is presenting elvis as like this ultimately good character who has maybe a like a naivete that makes it harder for him to like see that people are taking advantage of him mm-hmm. obviously the direct foil is colonel tom parker colonel tom parker so i want to paint a picture for the audience first what you need to do is you need to think back to the greatest tom hanks movie of all time uh sleepless in seattle of course <laughs> and picture what he looks like in that movie tom hanks is a very just like He's just like an everyman, as he is in most every single movie, maybe save for like lady killers. Like, you know, he's kind of got the same look in almost every single movie. Obviously, some haircuts are different, some pants are baggier, some pants are tighter. And in this movie, Tom Hanks really just completely steps outside of himself. And I feel like we got like a physicality in this performance that is unlike anything I think we've ever seen. Yeah. it's insane to me. I find great joy now that he has recovered and is doing well that he looked like this when he got COVID because that is just <laughs> wild. The, the thought process is that all wrapped in my head the first time this trailer dropped really shook me to my core. I hadn't really made that connection. This is the movie they were filming in Australia when he yeah. got COVID and the whole world shut down and, and we all nationally uh, were grieving. <laughs> I just picture this this uh, this version, this fat suit Tom Tom Hanks version. Careful, sorry, Tom wrong. Cruise. Talking Tom. Come on, that's the next. We season. were talking Tom. I don't know. Yeah, talking a pod <laughs> cruise Tomcast. So why don't you tell us what that what that looks like? Yeah, it's tough to you know. It's weird because I you I forget it's a costume, but it mm. is a pretty disgusting type of loose skin just he's just a large man but they kind of make him really like lean into the villain concepts again i didn't google a picture of what tom parker actually looked like because i like the image of tom hanks as it to live in my head as that um but it's, it's an unpleasant thing and it's all cemented by this incredible choice for this accent which once more <laughs> may be tom parker's real accent i cannot clarify for this as we are just talking in the movie but it is phenomenal yeah. And, so, and dividing. <laughs> it's certainly a choice. So he's got a lot of prosthetics on. He's got extra weight. He's got loose skin. He's got this big, like, hooked nose. A lot of, like, liver spots. He looks, like, way older. Like the penguin from the Batman. Yes. Yes. And he is, so this accent, I, I think maybe it feels like not like it's not something I can place I think it's supposed to be no idea. something Dutch maybe some German they, but it they, also... kind of, they kind of spoke to Tom Parker's like history in the movie but I sort of just it went in one ear and out the other I have no idea where he's actually from they kept calling him like a man of no country because he's yeah, not even nebulous. sure or he's hiding it yeah so he had an accent but we don't know what that accent is I did watch some footage from a, a tom parker interview is it accurate no okay (laughs) it is not i mean even better there's there's certainly an accent i would say the one that that tom hanks uses in this movie is very like 
in your face. Like there is nothing subtle about his performance. Yeah. I don't think, um, or I don't feel like there is. And the physicality, like the actual look seemed pretty accurate. Like, I don't, maybe okay. the nose is like a little more pronounced, but it's not like, oh, who is he supposed to be? You know what I mean? Like, I don't really have yeah. any qualms with, with the prosthetics and the costuming. Accent's fucking weird. Yeah, well, they did make a mis- they make no mistake. Like, I, I sort of was questioning if he was going to be like, oh, they're going to try and build empathy around this man to, is he a villain actually? But the look and every decision made, there is never a, an indicator that you believe anything except that this man is, is evil. Yeah, yeah. So something that we should took should speak on is this idea that like. I know for there's probably a bunch of episodes you could go back and listen to of this podcast where all I want is to see Tom Hanks playing a villain. Mm-hmm. And we finally got it because I can't think of any other ones. Uh, I'm blanking. I got, I got, and I think I that's because fun. there's like, if there are like, this one is, this performance specifically stands out, I would say. Did you have any reactions to this? Yeah, I think there's a thing happening with Tom Hanks. Tom Hanks is an actor has done everything. He's won all the accolades. He's done blockbusters. He's done indie movies. He's done historical pieces. He's done everything. Like what, like as an actor, he's accomplished them all. We saw him perform Shakespeare in LA. Like he's done it all. And so now there's this thing happening. I was reading about it about how he, because of that, like he's a man who's mastered his craft. He's now, he now appears to just be doing whatever he wants, taking whatever role he wants. And this Mm. is brilliant. This is the best case scenario. He's not just gonna choose boring stuff and grow old and be predictable. It seems like he's just gonna make incredible decisions. And I'm all about that. Yes, because what that, I think it tells us a few things about Tom Hanks just as a human being. One, he's always been in this for the fucking art, right? Like, mm-hmm. I, I like, okay, first of all, obviously I have like really fallen deep into like Tom Hanks, like fucking Stan status. I am a Tom Hanks propaganda machine. So I fully like everything that anybody has been ever tried to sell me about Tom Hanks. I buy it. Like no fucking questions asked. Like I'm, he's the everyman. He's trustworthy. You know, I believe him. If, if he like endorsed a political candidate, I'd be like, I have to consider it. <laughs> like, I trust this guy. That's good um, to present that as honesty up front as smart. <laughs> yes. So I I think I get this impression about him as an actor that like, it's not even about the money anymore. It's just that he wants to challenge himself creatively. And I think there is something like fucking rad about that. Like, I think there are a lot of people that would love to be in that situation. You know, I would love if I could just sit and like make my own stuff all day, but I have bills to pay and health insurance and, yeah. you know, and he's, he's kind of gotten himself into this position where he is able to just take projects because they're challenging and he loves the craft of acting. Um, do I sound like a Tom Hanks shill right now? No, I, I feel the same way. And again, I guess I have the bias because we're in a podcast about him. But it does feel like there's there's a lot of, th- I mean, people, there's a lot of talk about how artists, as they age, the decisions that they make. And so to see someone who kind of is continuing to do the thing that he's always stood behind, which is making interesting decisions and decisions he seems to want to back. Because, um, you know, you get sequels, you get a Toy Story sequel, and that could be a cash cow. 
but something like Elvis, which I mean, has a massive budget, so I'm sure there's a great paycheck, but it's a weird choice. You're gonna be covered in prosthetics to be borderline unrecognizable. You're gonna use an accent that is not only, that makes you slightly unrecognizable, except for that inflection you can never get away from, but is also like controversial. I think it all rules. Mm -hmm. And there's also been this theme lately with him. We saw this with the, um, what was it called? Won't You Be My Neighbor? Mm -hmm. the Mr. Rogers movie where he doesn't play the star, you know, yeah. like he lets someone else kind of take the lead and he takes more of a backseat position, which is, it's interesting to me as like someone like Tom Hanks, he could be in any movie that he wanted and he could just headline, he could do some Tom Cruise shit if he wanted. I mean, maybe I would yeah. love that. There's like a weird, he's, he's an actor who understands that sometimes the best move is to be second and let like Austin Butler just radiates in this and shines through the entire thing. And Tom Hanks, it, it comes across so well for him as an actor to be sharing the top billing, but being, it's not his movie, even though there's a core of it that is about his character, it is about Elvis and the way that this person has done what he's done to Elvis that I think is so cool. Mm -hmm. well yeah because this this character of tom parker doesn't exist without elvis yeah like you wouldn't just get a tom parker movie when it's important to understand who elvis is as a person through the ways he was through the things that he took and the ways he was taken advantage of that created the icon that he is who i think at his core was an artist and then became what he became, uh, not out of choice, but out of whether it's desperation or addiction or um, all of the above. Mm -hmm. So before we move on to this like second half of the movie, I feel like one thing I really wanted to talk about was that that first performance that we see. It's the first time that we see um, Austin Butler like really step into the physicality of Elvis with the, the gyrations. Hips. Mm -hmm. it's a very specific type of move and this is this is the this is like the first concert mm -hmm. moment right yeah and you know the one I'm talking about they basically the whole thing plays out like a horny fever dream where women are like led to like essentially climax <laughs> like the mere suggestion of like I don't even know what that hip movement is supposed to imply like know, it's just kind of like a hip thrust yeah it's like just like vaguely sexual but i guess if you're like really repressed like maybe there's something about it that's like like awaken something in you like it's like considered a, a cultural changing thing so it must be and it's played it's 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 directed so incredible so incredibly stylized by these slow motion just yelps and screams and there's narration <laughs> i think tom's narration says like they were feeling feelings they didn't know if they were allowed to feel mm, and so it's just mm -hmm. cutting between like the parents who are like prudish and like what is this and then all the women all the young women that are like losing their minds and attempting not to yeah as you said which is just interesting because you know we live in a time period where like that couldn't feel more tame to me like yeah. I watch that and I'm like, okay, <laughs> you know, like, yeah, well, it feels, it feels to a degree, like it's over, it's like over dramatized, but then I, I've seen lots of like Beatles movies and like people were losing their mind at that. So I can't even imagine that era. 
Yeah. So I think that's maybe something that I just had never quite fully realized about Elvis because you hear it all about the Beatles, but Elvis came before the Beatles. Mm -hmm. And they, they sort of hinted that, that Elvis's reign sort of started to secede when the Beatles and the Rolling Stones and like these other big rock bands were coming into the picture. Yes, which is just, it's because he feels like so distant from that. It's like hard for me. Maybe I, I mean, clearly I just don't know enough about like music history, but I just like, for some reason thought they never would have even crossed paths. Like mm-hmm. they were so separate of like genre and style, but I guess that's just like what music is. It just feels like my, my I associate Elvis with my grandparents and I associate like Beatles, mm. Rolling Stone era rock with my parents. Mm-hmm. There's something that I find very interesting just in general about the way that like adolescent and like teenage women really, it's mostly like prepubescent and adolescent women flock towards um, like male entertainment. Like I think about like my um, growing up, it for me, it was like the Backstreet Boys. And I remember there being like this very like, <laughs> Like I used to kiss a photo of Nick Carter every single night before I went to bed, which is so embarrassing to even say out loud, but I literally don't have to say that if you don't want to. (laughs) I'm being forced against my will to say this, but it's like, I just like, I think that's like a concept, something that I find like really fascinating because like, what is it about me as a young woman, like experiencing like feelings it's just like clearly a universal thing. And I just think it's interesting to see that in the context of Elvis. And yeah, Elvis. and I, I like that because I think it is, I think universal is definitely the word for it. And it continues. I think we often get suckered into this idea of like, you know, oh, the old stuff was the good stuff. The stuff I grew up with was the best. Nothing hits that way. But every every young person has that. And every person even our age, like there's like the entire like K-pop world and people who love mm-hmm. like BTS and stuff. And it's that same sort of, like rabid fandom that is just anything that is put out, we we love it and we support it. And it's almost like, it's part of your, it becomes part of your identity in a way that I think identity. helps you find, it sort of helps you, at least in prepubescent, helps you find who you are as you hit adulthood too. Yes, I think that is the key is it's like this sense of community that you feel like you Absolutely. have. And that's really what it is. And there's something kind of profound about that, honestly, now that I'm thinking about it. It's just it's like- infectious. Yeah, you make, you're you just make friends over the shared music of one person. It means something completely different to you than it does to them, but that is the only thing you need to connect. Yeah. And even now, like I I really missed like the One Direction thing. I'm a little mm-hmm. old for that. But Harry Styles is like very popular now. And the people that like ride for Harry Styles, like they've been riding for him since One Direction. You know yeah. what I mean? And I also I will say that there is something very there's some crossover with like the kind of like Harry Styles having like a lot of like this androgynous, like vaguely feminine performance. Um, well, those are, those are conflicting statements, but like, you know, there's something like you can't quite, you can't put Harry Styles as a performer, like in a box. Like, I think that's what he wants. Like there's, he's sort of establishing his own thing by being, trying to be free of any sort of descriptors in that realm. And I think there's something, there with Elvis it's not as like pronounced but like the eyeliner and the really flashy clothing feels like maybe that's just what is like so appealing he was just so completely different than anything else that was being offered up to people who listened to music back then that it's like no wonder it fucking worked like they just wanted something different one access to different things like music and movies was limited um 
in terms of how people could get to it and what parts of the of the country and the world they could get to. And so I think you see something like that that is so against every, it is so different than anything you've experienced in the realm of like your small town upbringing, like mm-hmm. white America, small town upbringing, never seen anything like this. Of course, they're going to like flock to it. It really makes sense. Mm-hmm. And specifically the movie like captures that exact moment in time so well, even if it is like a little overblown or really specifically stylized. I, that was the moment in the movie where I was like, oh yeah I'm fucking ready like yeah I mean like I'm not going anywhere I'm ready to see what the rest of this movie is going to give me and it was like from that moment on man like non-stop pretty fun just like just fun movie you just never see stuff like that so agreed did you feel similarly great cool I did yeah and this is (laughs) that's the the only time everything you know we've we've talked a lot of positive the only time this thing started to kind of lull for me is there's an extended sequence when Elvis finally moves to Vegas and mm-hmm. takes up residency, which is like the big manipulation tactic that Tom um, Tom Hanks is doing, Tom mm-hmm. Parker's doing. Mm-hmm. Um, and I was trying to sit with that and sort of wrap my head around why I think that it drags at that point. Cause the entire thing, it's like, if, if it's a two and a half hour music video or a movie trailer, that part makes it feel like a four hour thing. And it's weird cause mm-hmm. it still feels that energy, but I think you're supposed to sort of feel the way that he felt like you are trapped and on one end I think that if that is the decision it's kind of cool but it also like kind of hurts to a degree that was the only time that I was a little bit off with the vibe yeah I remember you saying like that was the only time that you felt like you actually wanted to check your phone yeah um and I don't know if it's just you really hoping to get some good Instagram dms or you just wanted to check the time but (laughs) Um, yes. And I agree. I had the same problem. Like it just, but that I hadn't thought about that. That's an interesting point because it is successful, but at what cost? Yeah. Then the build, but then it builds up to the final performance, Mm. which then cuts into his real final performance and is so good like that in terms of acting, but also just looking, getting every single idiosyncrasy correct is insane to me. Mm, it is. I saw, I will actually, the con, the Colonel Tom Parker interview that I saw was in reference to that final performance. Mm. Um, I don't really remember anything else about it, but um, I was reading like Facebook comments about it and people were t- like, the way people flock to content around this movie and share their own specific memories of like, I saw Elvis in concert that same year, 77, I think is the year he passed away. Um, in February and he passed away in March or something. I don't know. Um, people like really like hold on. I don't know. It's kind of like how, you know, if I went and saw Harry Styles, <laughs> I yeah. would hold on to that. That's not true, but Beyonce maybe. Um, yes. I did feel like the movie dragged there. It got just like, but is it, was it like hard to watch because it's just like a bunch of sad shit happening to like a I think that's a, that's what I think maybe is is the thing like it, it's not a thing when I think about um like I want to go again and the further I've gotten away from it because it's been a few days since we saw it the more that I've been like no I'd see that again in a heartbeat mm-hmm. I would appreciate seeing that movie with someone who hadn't seen it mm-hmm. and being like watching them as they're just like taking in this like yeah. chaotic I'm gonna make oh, I'm gonna make Rachel go oh yeah I, I think she wants to this. yeah well yeah She'll love it. She'll walk out of there. She'll fall in love with Elvis. You might be in trouble. Yeah. Or Austin Butler. Yeah. Either way. Yeah. 
Either way, it's a win for me. <laughs> it's the same. Yeah, true. Um, okay, so we got to meet some people in the back half of the movie um, that we should just touch on briefly is sure. uh, his wife. It's interesting because you think that with her around and with Elvis having this like, they presented as this very like loving, good relationship up until mm-hmm. a certain point when he really gets like trapped in this residency um, by the Colonel. Um, he starts like cheating on his wife a bunch and he's like doing all these drugs and it's just like really sad. It kind of like makes you be like, oh, how can he like say he loves his family so much and like be doing these awful things that impact them but she that doesn't even really seem to be the issue for her and there's even a scene where she's she's basically divorcing him or saying like I don't want to be with you anymore and she's like I don't care about what you do on tour with other women I just care about the drugs like you've got to stop doing it and he, yeah you know. it becomes this like super sad we don't spend a lot of time with Priscilla um which in the context of two and a half hours feels insane but <laughs> you do establish like why why they work why that spark so immediate and like the love i think that's between them i think there's a genuine thing and for her especially the um with what her character is given in the context of the movie that she is she like clearly clearly loves him to his core and i think it breaks apart less because of it's the decision she's making but the way that he's destroying himself and in in the process separating himself from his family that like breaks her down Okay, you know what I also forgot to talk about? This Christmas scene, which you alluded to at the beginning of this episode, um, this big Christmas special that Colonel Tom Parker was hoping to throw with the intent of just selling more Elvis merchandise. They kind of make it seem like he invented this idea of selling merch. Yeah, to a degree, I can't speak to that, but it does seem like the concept of it as the thing it now is, especially in like art forms it does seem to be that he is pointed as being responsible in the movie yeah which is pretty fascinating i just Mm -hmm. like never thought of that i well i just went to the academy museum Mm -hmm. um and they they have like a thing with walt disney selling merch for the snow white movies and it's like little tiny figurines of the seven dwarves um which i don't know i don't know when any of the dates of any of this happened but it's just interesting you know like nowadays like i feel like movies are literally made to sell merch only and there was a point in time where that wasn't true yeah it just, it's, just I, it's just so associated with that entire concept that i can't think of it without it yeah <laughs> um i would be interested to watch that christmas special now because it was so successful and it's just that's another thing is that the, the colonel is kind of portrayed as this like he profited off of elvis and he says he made elvis but then the movie also presents Elvis as this like once in a lifetime type of talent who was able to predict what people wanted in a way that nobody else had been able to do before. Mm. So the Colonel was so against this like political statement. It was after uh, the Kennedy assassination, right? Mm. Yeah. Um, and Elvis was like, we got to do something, you know, it an, it's another like Elvis, the activist, which is, would be interesting to see. I've, I wonder why I'm so quick to be like, I don't know if I believe that. It's brought up a number of times in terms of him rebelling against like what this what the state wants for his performance and stuff. So I think it must have been a part and sort of the culture it sprung from makes sense in, in regards to those things. So there's got to be something to it. But again, I can't speak to it. Yeah, there's clearly some like internal bias that I've got that's like mm. making that harder for me to um, see. 
so I will work on that. Um, <laughs> and that's why we're here today. Um, so yeah, I guess I just wanted to touch on those scenes. There was a few moments I think specifically that really stood out to me in this movie. The whole first half, that one scene in the first first is gyrating on the stage. Um, those were like real standouts for me. Did you have anything that you really liked? That I mean, yeah, I think that first performance, just watching Austin Butler like lean into understanding that and the way that evolves. And of course, which it's cheating, but the last performance is pretty insane. Mm -hmm. um, it's it's so because because it's such a cursory glance at life you only occasionally get to stop for character moments so so much of it i think mm -hmm. of in little segments that work so well um mm -hmm. and really the performance stuff because the fact that i was confirming it on the side here that austin butler you know they see sung for the role um is nuts to me right well yeah because who would not he was fucking fantastic and they needle drop doja cat in it and i think that's <laughs> yes awesome they did i really liked that i can imagine that there are some people who are really not on board with the mixing of like genres and styles it made the movie feel very alive to me it made it feel like i really liked it and yeah. I, so if we compare this one to other movies of this nature like I should also, rocket I should, man I, should, I apologize i should correct uh austin butler sung all the stuff when elvis was young but those final performances when elvis was older is elvis's actual music Oh, interesting. So they had to get all the, the rights to do all that. That's fascinating. Thank you for correcting that. So I don't want to get beat up in the comments. No, and, and we do seem to have a community that loves to just shit on us. Yeah. Not at all. Like truly not in the slightest. <laughs> <laughs> Everyone is extremely nice every time they talk about our show. Um, how do you think this movie compares to other? It seems like every couple of years we get one of these, right? Yeah. And I usually hate them. Um, mm. I hate Bohemian Rhapsody so mm. much. Yeah. Uh, weirdly, I kind of liked Rocket Man. The same type of thing, the central performance and the way that it, it blended the culture of Elton John with into the creation of the movie was so engaging to me. Um, mm -hmm. But this, I, I, I genuinely, usually don't like these things, but I was very taken with this one. So I just continually contradict myself. Yeah. Well, yeah. And uh, well, it seems like the biggest core difference is like a lot of those movies, there's a real tendency to just do like a paint by numbers type of thing. Like, here's what, how, here's how it started. Here's the, all the stuff you remember with all the songs you love and here's how it ended. And it was really sad. And this movie challenges a lot of that. Yeah. Um, I agree. Yeah. All right. Uh, do you want to talk about our final thoughts about the movie? Sure. I mean, I feel like I already can kind of predict how you feel. Yeah, it's pretty. not it's not an exciting if you've been listening, it's just a pretty <laughs> not exciting. It tracks. Yeah. Yeah. Overall, I also very much enjoyed this. Um, way more than I thought I would. I was kind of honestly expecting to be like really bored because I was I was more excited to see it to to do a talk to Tom episode than to actually see it. because uh, I was yeah. so tired of seeing the trailer. And then I came away as I am. <laughs> yeah, look at us now. Um I, 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 ooh, I feel like I'm about to say something. I don't know if I want to say it. I don't know that I like loved Tom Hanks in this movie. It is, it's, as you said, it's a choice and I'm into it. I think it's bizarre, but in a way that I find so fascinating that I just want to hear him talk about the whys. Um, is it good? I don't know. I really don't know. 
Yeah. So I remember I sent you an article a few months ago that said that basically listed this as the worst, <laughs> the worst performance of Tom Hanks's career, which is an incredible headline. First of all, like I'll click on that shit no matter what. <laughs> yeah. Like the headline worked. And I've been reading that like when this movie premiered, he was like refusing to acknowledge this accent. <laughs> like he just like won't talk about why he did it, which is even cooler. Like that's the just, best. I hope he never does then. That's even yeah. better. So I think if if you if you view this as just like a creative choice for a man who is extremely talented and just wanting to try new things, mm-hmm. I'm like 100% on board with that. I hope he makes movies like this for the rest of his life so that I can keep going and I can keep talking to you about them. It's so much more interesting to talk about when it's not just definitive, like, oh yeah, absolutely, we loved it. Now we're like, I don't know. Yeah. I, I found a review by a, a critic I really like named David Ehrlich and he wrote about um, Tom's performance with... He said, a true, true performance defined by a fat suit, a fake nose, and an accent that I can only describe as the Kentucky Fried Gold member is possibly <laughs> the most insufferable movie character ever conceived. Which I would argue, I did just recently watch um, Annie Hall, and I will say that, what's his name? Albie is like maybe top insufferable characters of all time <laughs> for me personally. <laughs> some... Um, yeah, oh, you can layer that on uh, Woody <laughs> Allen's actual and really go to 10. Um, that's another That's another show. That's yeah. another conversation. No, I'm, um, the thing I was super interested in that I was reading up on, the only thing I did look up after was I was curious how the Presley family responded and was surprised mm-hmm. to see that almost universally glowing um, oh. with his daughter saying it was spectacular and that Butler's performance was felt like she said it was unprecedented and done respectfully and not inaccurately. Um, I thought that was kind of cool to sort of see um, that. Um, I think his wife had some stuff to say about their relationship, that it was done like in an artistic mm-hmm. way, but was obsessed with Austin Butler. And um, it's, it's interesting because I feel like you hear whenever something real comes out, I'm always very curious how the real people who are still alive that were involved in it feel about it because it is a fictionalized account and an account that will become, will become nonfiction to some people because this is the only thing they'll ever see. And so I think it's cool that it, they feel that it honored him. Yeah, that's probably a very fine line uh, when you're making a movie like this mm-hmm. between you know wanting to tell the actual story and then thinking about who that might hurt. And it's nice that this movie was able to find that balance in a way that still feels like really authentic. Yeah, um, I couldn't find any comments from Tom Parker, anyone close to Tom Parker about uh, their thoughts on <laughs> Tom Hanks' performance. There. Interesting. All right. Well, I guess those are our thoughts, right? Those are the thoughts. Is that it? That's, that's, that's it. That's Elvis. That's, that's 2022's what you Elvis film. <laughs> Um, we got about nine and a half minutes left on this clock. <laughs> the Zoom clock's ticking because we can't afford fancy Zoom. That's okay. When did they put this back in? One on one used to be free. It did. One on one. Zoom sponsor us. Tom Parker's coming at me for his money. Um, so I think what we should move on to our next segment, our famous uh, segment. the most important segment, which is. I can't, I don't know where the thing is. happening. happening. <laughs> so I think one of the best things 
about a new Tom Hanks movie coming out is that it means there's going to be a bunch of opportunities for Tom to be in the press. Because as every moviegoer knows, anybody who's part of the industry, the more that the movies, the more that the characters are in the press, the more the actors are in the press, the more people go see the movie, the more people know about the movie. And the goal is to just keep the movie alive. Like the, you know, you see a cool clip of Tom Hanks, you're like, what's Tom Hanks in? Boom. He's in Elvis that just came out. I gotta Why go see it. talking like that? Yeah. <laughs> so there's been quite a few notable moments, I think. Um, first, I should say, the day that this episode comes out is Tom Hanks's birthday. Yes. Which is a sacred Happy birthday, hallowed day. Tom. 66 years old. According to his Instagram, DJ Tom Hanks, 66th birthday bash. July 9th says our next national holiday, no ads, bossradio66.com. I don't know what any of that means, but I will be listening. Yeah, because I wouldn't, I mean, I don't know that any, the radio is like a, it's just another choice. It's like another, it's very classic Tom, right? Like, you know, who listens to the radio anymore? Tom Hanks, and maybe it will come back because of whatever this is. I will certainly be listening. <laughs> um, but one thing that I know, I got extremely excited about was there's this this viral clip that went out where Tom Hanks is somewhere doing press and and the paparazzi are hounding him and his wife the lovely Rita Wilson um there's some sort of a scuffle Rita gets bumped and she like yelps because she's caught off guard she stumbles and Tom Hanks turns into a mama grizzly bear the way he like turns on the paparazzi and he starts like in a way that we haven't had a good Tom yell in decades you know I would say like Turner and Hooch (laughs) was the last like Tom maybe Woody something in Toy Story we get a real Tom yell when he turns and he says like get the fuck off of my wife what the fuck are you doing and he's like screaming at her and there is something about that Daniel, I have to say, I felt like one of those girls watching Elvis on stage for the first time, seeing that movie of Tom Hanks defending his wife's honor. Um, I agreed. Clickbait, <laughs> clickbait really fast was like Tom Hanks screams. And then you watch the very short video for context. And I can't imagine watching that and being like, well, he didn't have to like that. No, you're on, you're on team Tom, bias or not. That's team Tom. Oh yeah. There is like something about it. It's just I've, I've, I am a feminist. I, I can handle myself. I don't, I wouldn't expect any partner of mine to be like, you know, fighting duels in my honor, but there's just something deep in our, my bones that really resonated and responded to that, to that, um, just like this protection. Um, it was very nice, very cute. It's just warranted a cute too. It didn't feel like someone overstepping. It felt like a warranted thing of someone defending wife or not defending someone they care about yeah so we'll put a link to that uh that clip in the episode description so you guys can watch it for yourself and um another thing i will say about that is that the paparazzi guy is like like the guy who like clearly did it who like knocked rita over is like yeah that's so like he like pretends that it didn't like he wasn't part of it it's really funny because it's like all on camera it's like okay dude so i'm trying to like be friends with Tommy right now I would just, I mean, if I was responsible, I also would panic and lie to be friends with. Yeah. (laughs) So um, I guess that's pretty much it. 
do you have any thoughts that you want to share with the class? No, um, it's a great time to be a Tom Hanks fan. Um, there's some other movies. There was another movie that was released during the pandemic that we haven't, mm. haven't watched either as waiting. So maybe we can do this, you know, if we need to wait a year, that's fine. But if we want to uh, go back, because we've only, only got a few left before we're caught up. So maybe, you know, if life. We've uh, got to do it. Away. Yeah. We have been talking. This is something that I, I need this to be my legacy for my grandchildren. So mm-hmm. I need my family, you know, before the world ends, I need them to know that someone in their bloodline spent a lot of time watching Tom yeah. movies. <laughs> and maybe someday we have to start over. The goal would be to do the entire podcast with Tom Hanks also watching a retrospective, if you will, and reflection on an American icon, the the Elvis of our generation, really. And Office Ladies-esque revisiting. Yes, yes, yes. but including Dana and (laughs) Jizzy. But also two complete nobodies. Yes. Um, I also wanted to say that I had a very nice time with you. I haven't seen you in a very long time. You're a great so friend. Nice. We got some boba. And, Things are mm-hmm. good. It was nice to have a conversation that wasn't, um, I mean, in a very privileged way. We've had, a, we've, we've had some nice successes in our life and it was nice to share them and celebrate them. Yeah. And I think there's just a lot of beauty in general about um, just like people who enter your life and they just manage to stay there. It's just, yeah. it's just nice. This is what we're yeah. seven or eight years now. Yeah. Isn't That's that crazy? Wild. Yeah. And we're just like two people. Yeah. And we never do it. And it's just like, look at us now. Look, look at us. Who would, who would have thought? Thriving. <laughs> All right. Well, I guess that is, oh no, you know what we need to do is we need to talk about what our next episode would be. Oh, goodness gracious. Okay. Bridge of Spies was our last one. Our next one is a hologram for the king. Interesting. I have zero connection in the slightest. That'll be fun. All right. Um, and then just some updates. We have we no longer have our website. I think Daniel and I both didn't want to keep paying um, to keep that thing alive. But you can find all of our episodes on your favorite podcasting platform that you're probably listening to right now. Feel free to find us on Twitter. We've got an Instagram page. Everything is under um, at PodHanksTomCast. Um, Daniel, you've got some other shows that you work on. Yeah, if you, you plug those. aren't tired of me as I am, <laughs> uh, I'm on the Secret Movie Club podcast, which is, I, th- I think it's every week. So that's a lot of <laughs> Daniel. Um, but if that's your jam, I appreciate you. And we talk about all manners of different movies. Uh, and occasionally there's some overlap um, in terms of it being about Tom Hanks. Cool. Um, great. So I guess we'll see you guys next time. Thanks. Oh, wait, we have a catchphrase. We, yeah. Uh, yes, we do. It is. Remember it? Yes. Hey. hey thanks for listening. <laughs> thanks for listening. <laughs>